What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of We Create the Vibes podcast, where we go out and find some of the dopest DJs out there creating vibes everywhere they go. Today's special guest is a DJ, producer. I believe he's still a record label owner as well. Two, two record name, labels, actually. Two record labels. <laughs> he goes by the name of Chavez. Chavez, what's going on, my brother? Chilling, bro. You know, just every day, you know, trying to push it further and further. I hear that, man. It's a pleasure to have you on, man. I appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Time out your schedule. It's been a minute, man. Ladies and gents, y'all probably don't know. I do know this brother over here. Many years ago, dating back to Capitol Records, was it 15, 14 years ago? Like at least, yeah. Probably 15 years ago. So that's crazy. Yeah, we're both professional uh <laughs> ice cup getters. <laughs> professional interns, man. <laughs> ice cup getters. <laughs> All right, man. So talk to me, man. Originally from what? North Jersey, right? Yeah. So uh born in Jersey City, raised in oh. Jersey City, and just Jersey bred my whole life. All right. So break down your early beginnings, man. Was it like growing up in Jersey? Also, what was some of the musical influences? You know, what was playing in the crib? Oh, man. I mean, definitely growing up in Jersey City, like when I look at it now, I never realized the type of environment I was until I got older. Until I had friends saying, he's like, remember, we used to like have games over who could smash the most crack vials. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> you know when, you, when you're little that doesn't register because it's just like when you go outside and you know I, I'm so grateful that I guess the environments I were in you know helped like encourage my imagination you know with that in mind I mean musically man so my dad used to anyone's familiar with the funny all-stars not saying he was in it but he used to watch this sort of like salsa collective actually like pioneers of the genre he used to go clubbing religiously follow these guys like he has whole movies of like block parties and like washington heights and queens he has like a museum like it's crazy his record collection is insane he loved funk you know my dad was into everyone from like james brown to prince my mom was a little bit more into she liked freestyle she likes some baladas, so I was hearing, like, if anyone, you know, is into Latin music, like people like Leo Dan, Rocio Durcal, and we grew up in the hip-hop days, man, you know? I would say probably my first album that I didn't, wasn't supposed to have was The Chronic, and I remember mm-hmm. my mom telling me, she was like, you can't listen to this unless you <laughs> listen to it with your sister. And, you know, I was like, I thought my sister was lame, so I never ended up really listening to it the way that I wanted to. I would, like, <laughs> wait till they were asleep, turn it down really low, and... But then, you know, things sort of evolved too. Like I got, I became a big Nirvana fan. I started yeah. getting like Soundgarden, you know, Stone Temple yeah. Pilots, all these alternative groups. Like I guess the emo stuff that some of the younger people were getting sucked up in. And then honestly, it came back to hip hop. And it's funny too, because there's something that always stands out to me is when I see like early hip hop footage of like the videos I saw. I remember being little, my sister walked in on me imitating, like I was like scratching record. I always thought that was so fascinating to me just because it was like, I understood that there was a synergy between the dance floor and what was going on back there. Like there was something special that was happening there. Fast forward, you know, staying into hip hop. I used to go to Salvation Army a lot. 
just buying whatever records I could find. I remember going to the Salvation Army in uh, Jersey City once, and I found this insane hip hop collection, probably about close to 200 records. Mm, okay. One, Nas, uh, Big Daddy Kane, uh, Biggie, like it was a gold mine. Ooh, and they, were selling records. they started giving me records for free. I probably bought that collection for about like 70 bucks. It was some yeah. crazy thing because yeah. they said that they had, somebody had bought it in and just, it never went anywhere. That's nuts. It's insane. <laughs> I would uh, keep those records even if i didn't have a record player like i would ne- like what are you sick i mean so i was lucky enough that i had a friend he produced for this newark based hip-hop group i don't know if you're familiar with a group called the artifacts and they have yeah. a song called the wrong side of the track yeah, yeah. but he produced for el Desensei and you know he worked with dj chaos and okay. we're sort of just like hanging out with him like learning what he used to do we used to just go into random stores and just like chinese restaurants and be like do you guys have records and i would say maybe like most they could say is no right probably like three times out of maybe seven they'd have like a basement full of records they had no idea that were down there because it was just storage to them they purchased this building to start a restaurant and then whatever was in there they just threw downstairs like i remember once we got like this latin collection basically asking them and paying them like 50 bucks and it was probably like 50 60 records well (laughs) there was always the obsession with like trying to find records and then i think as i got older the more i learned about producers the more i learned about guys like pete rock dj premier i kind of wanted to get into the production aspect which is great because i already had records waiting for me right you know it was just a matter of like okay now how do they do this again luckily i had somebody that showed me i would say probably around the age of like 16 going to 17 i had some friends introduce me to like computer software cool edit reason and things like that so we would take these like really crappy belt drive turntables welcome up to (laughs) rtv from the tv use the outs and plug it into like a crappy sound card and sample into these programs and i mean now it's you have so much you know time as far as like sampling and things like that so we would just get like the little chunks of the records that we wanted and just have unorganized mess of things i remember you know spending like one or two days just getting samples and then not knowing what they were so it's like, I don't know if I got drums. I don't know if I got vocals. <laughs> I'm just going through it like piece by piece. And I would show these are sort of lack thereof beats to some of these like you know meeting more and more people within that circle of like El Desensei and things like that and eventually I learned they were using samplers I think when I got to like 17 18 I was able to actually get like a really really tough job it was a labor job but they paid me so good you know like 17 year olds should not be making like two grand a month no nah. <laughs> at all <laughs> at what are you gonna do with that money man you're making two grand a month but it was only for like a summertime you know still, man that's the i mean yeah it's summer but still like you got what 6k to, to work with some records well, on top of that i was still going gear. to school i was also paying some of my own tuition okay i was digging and then i put money aside i remember going on craigslist i sort of got them uh concurrently and i was like let me buy turntables let me buy a mixer i knew i wanted techniques 1200s no matter what um, yep. you know that's always been the standard standard yeah <laughs> The, the next thing I knew I wanted was a Vestax PMC. So actually, check this out. I, I, ended, up buying one. I ended up buying one recently. Okay. And I, I wanted to get back into scratching. Ooh, yo, you taking it back, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy because, yo, when I like first got into DJ and like when I actually, I would see YouTube videos <laughs> like, yo, I got to get that mixer. Well, I never ever got that mixer though. But that <laughs> yo, that's the that's the ideal scratch originated mixer right there. 
Very underrated. Yeah. Oh, that's that's fire. How much did you get that for? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, recently, I probably got it for about like eighty to ninety bucks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, I got the O six because the one I got when I was younger was the O five. Okay. Um, I don't know why I got the O five because they had like a microphone thing, but I've never done the microphone stuff. So I just figured get the O six because it's just the basics. You know, I just need um, one side two fader and that's it that's it um so it was like yeah i guess once i got that it was just a matter of just like learning it so i used to just spend summers literally locking myself into a room making beats spending time beat juggling and things like that because i had learned about scratching and dmc and what all that stuff meant and i remember like seeing videos of people like rob swift hearing them on the radio too and just trying to figure out what they were doing oh, yeah. <laughs> how does somebody make these sounds with a piece of wax absolutely um, so yeah i spent a lot of time doing that i really think like probably the huge turning point in terms of like i wouldn't say losing the love but wanting to transition to something new my favorite producer jay dilla had passed mm, okay that to me was like a huge shock to my system because to me that was a dream of like working for like okay the goal now is to just get in the studio with this guy or let him hear your music somehow just let him know what that music you know hearing Tribe Called Quest hearing Farside hearing Busta Rhyme stuff and I remember just being young and looking at the credits of just like he's inhuman so it's like the fact that this music can bring you closer to somebody like that was always, I think, an aspiration of mine. So at that same time, I don't know, whatever you believe in, the person above, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, it works in mysterious ways. I had a friend that got signed with an artist who was a New York City legend in house music. I know who you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> dope, oh, okay. man, dope, man. I know you're yep. talking about him. Yeah. Yep. He was working with Kenny and then we were going to some party. I forgot what party it was because it was somebody he had met in Kenny Dope's studio. Mm, And these two young kids at the time, if anyone has ever heard of the Martinez brothers, the Martinez brothers were like just starting out. I had heard of them like just in the rumblings of just learning about this new world and things like that. And we went to go check them out. And then we ended up just linking up with them at the end of the show and I remember talking to Christian who's the younger brother and I forgot what record I mentioned the first thing he was like how do you know that and I was like oh you know I have that record and I know Dilla sampled it on this and because this kid was like 15 at the time and I'm you know getting closer to 20 years old his encyclopedia of, of music was just out of this world and for him to know this obscure reference of like this progressive rock record just we had a connection right away the friend he was with who ended up being my label partner. Now, I found out he lived in my town. So at the end of the night, you know, they go to, you know, because they're, they're still young kids. So their parents are taking them home to go upstate. And then me and, you know, this new friend I made, you know, he lives in Weehawken. I live in Union City. And then the next day he's like, yo, you know, um, since we definitely have like similar records, like, would you mind just playing records? Because he didn't have a setup at the time. Mm. And I think I was just... I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, you don't want to come back from class, come over to my place and we'll jam out. And honestly, that turned to, you know, like 13, you know, 12, 13 hour sessions easily. Mm. Just sharing music, sharing ideas, sharing mixes and things like that. Um, and I was just like, it was a huge jump into electronic music and just sort of learning um, more and more about what that world looked like because he had been touring with Kenny before he was friends with the Martinez brothers, I think in the early 90s, like mid 90s, when like Kenny was at his apex. I mean, Kenny's still a force now, but at that time, it was like when Kenny was getting, you know, when, you know, guys were making like five figures for like a Janet Jackson remix, you know, for a remix that you don't hear on the radio. Radio, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
So, um, yeah, you know, we really hit it off. Um, and I think just we, we both decided since we were both moving in the same direction, just to continue to, you know, number one, the friendship was more than anything I could have asked for. You know, I, I think musically, um, it's important to have not only people that you, do you connect and identify with, but people that you also share like similar values, because, um, especially with dance music, I feel like dance music can get very personal with the way you're presenting yourself. Um, because there's not an emphasis on sort of like, I mean, yeah, you can be like a top, like 40 EDM DJ. Sure, there's people that are like that. But as far as the underground thing, like you're spending a lot of time trying to look for the music that you identify with that you think works on the dance floor. So there's a lot of like being vulnerable in that. Cause sometimes you hear a record and you know, there could be a part in a part or two in there that you're not, you don't know how really? to go over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, and then you have that moment where it's like, you're like, okay, what's going to happen? And it's like, let's say it, it bombs and you, it ruins the whole night. Like it can really defeat you. Um, so with that in mind, it was like, you know, I felt like I had met a brother more than anything else. And, you know, we started to, I guess, more tackle the New York City underground. I think the first party we played indiv at individual times, uh, Tony Touch had a party on Sunday mm. in was the old box uh, or... funk box in yeah, at yeah. Santos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I never <laughs> seen the videos. I always wanted to go. I never went, but I'm like, yo. Yeah, crazy. it was it crazy. Was it was definitely a lot of fun. So my first funk box actually, um, I thought I was I, you know, I forgot who who played after me, but there was this whole thing of like, you know, they put me on because they they thought it was gonna be a slow night. Mm, okay. Night to the scene, like let's see how he does. And um, that night, it apparently rained really bad, so it was like, like a pipe had burst with water over the DJ booth right before anything started. I'm already freaking out. I'm like. This is not gonna go over so well. Like everything's going nuts. And then something there was some game going on that apparently the game ended early and people from the game are all coming into mm. well, not not to the party specifically, but everybody was making their way back to I believe the Santos was in Oh uh, Santos. Ooh, okay. Yeah. What Damn, I'm so far was, removed from New York. Ali and I only remember like where Santos exactly at. Yeah. I want to say Santos. I mean, it was definitely downtown somewhere. Yeah. I, remember, I remember being close to Canal Street, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah I want to say um, not Bleecker though. Actually, it might it might have been on Bleecker. I, I, I walked past Santos so many times. I actually been to Santos one time, and I think uh, I think the kid Daytona was over there. This is like probably upstairs or downstairs. I think I was downstairs. This is like 2008. I never been upstairs though. Yeah, so Funkbox was downstairs. Mm. And I remember, like, right before I got on, I saw, like, five people walk in. Wow. And it was, like, ten people walked in. And then just people started, like, walking in after that. Like, and I was like, oh, crap, okay, I got to I gotta get going. People coming in here, man. I'm sweating. You know, there's probably, <laughs> you know, for me to see, like, I think the room probably felt about, like, a solid two, 200, 300. Mm. But just to get, like, to already have 15 people on the dance floor already dancing at the first record it was like okay. it was very 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 daunting but i remember i, I think endings, what happened I, I know you probably felt like yo i got i gotta maintain this keep this energy going and take it to another level but yep. damn yep. i can imagine how you was feeling man 
Yeah, and then it's just like, you know, I'm coming from the world of like, I've only been playing my records in my basement. Mm, okay. What, what am I going to do? Uh, <laughs> and then I remember like, I think I played a record off like a CDJ or something like that to end. And it's like the, the, the what is it called? The CDJ started skipping. Oh. And then luckily, really quickly, I just pulled out like a random record, played it over. And I just remember like everybody losing it. And that was like my last record. And then people, you know, they were like, I, I definitely got the the affirmation of like, oh my God, you played so well. Um, that that was I would say my probably my first night really playing. Honestly, I don't even know what year that was. I want to say maybe like 2000, maybe eleven or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Definitely a long, long time ago. I got I gotta tell you this though. Right. I don't think I ever told you this. Because I, I tell a lot of people, but I have to personally thank you. All right. So around the, the few years, like through Capital, I remember coming to your crib. I had one of my frat brothers record a song. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> but yo, you you really changed my mind on like like how to look at DJ. Like in the aspect, you know, you probably don't see that now because obviously I'm in this forever. So, you know, there's certain I, there's certain things I do that, you know, per se, I, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't do per se. Like there's certain music I play that if I didn't have to on everything I love, I would never play it. But you did really change my mind about what a DJ is supposed to be. How, how to DJ a party, how to just even approach DJing, like how to look at it. And even, I love what you said about when you connect with other DJs or you connect with other people with music making sure that they align with your values, even how you feel about music and how you feel about cer certain things. So I think like that, that's very important because you can't really form a brotherhood with per se with another DJ or somebody in music. If y'all don't really have the same like values or y'all don't really see eye to eye on like the very important things to you. So like, yeah, I, I mean, I never, I tell, I tell people all the time, like, yeah, I used to, I, I interned with this cool ass dude that went to Ramapo and like, yo, he changed, like, I wasn't really that much. I knew about house music. I'm from Jersey. I just wasn't really, I didn't know, like the, I didn't really study house music. I didn't know the history of house music, but like, yo, you put me onto that and I'm not that, like, I didn't, I haven't dove that back, that back that deep into house music, but I have appreciation and love for it. I understand there is a big difference a big difference over here and even a big difference, you know, compared to Europe and some of the other continents as well. Like it's, it's not the same, like what you're hearing on the radio. Like, I'm not going to say it's not real house or whatever, you know, that's a different conversation, but yeah, there's, there's different aspects to this game. So I just definitely want to thank you because yeah, you really like changed my mind about a lot of things. Like, you know, even to this day, I, I still hold that with me, but yeah, you really, like, if I, I don't know, man, it's you and another guy. Like, I don't know if I didn't meet you two guys, I don't know what possibly I would be doing as far as like in the, I don't know. Like I probably would be DJing like terrible ass events. Like, you know what I mean? Like y'all really changed my mind. Like, you know, so I, I just want to thank you for that. Like, I don't think I ever told you that, but don't think I, didn't, I learned a lot. Like just watching you, like just literally watching you. I learned a lot, you know? Well, on, you know, all I could say is, you know, that's an honor to hear because, you know, on, at the end of the day, that's, I think that that should be the reason for all DJs is to like, you want to leave your mark, you want to be able to inspire, you know, the next group of guys to do it because 
it was funny because somebody had asked me today about like playing vinyl and things like that they're like oh it's so cool that you play vinyl and I was like yo can you count to four they were like yeah I was like well you can play vinyl I was like it's not so much about like knowing how to do it it's about doing it in a way where you're able to to either give you know give a message or tell a story or be able to like have somebody experience all these ranges of emotions and that that that's the art of DJing and I think, it, you know, we should all take it upon ourselves to take that very seriously because, you know, um, we always want to leave it in a better place than where we started because, you know, some of us didn't start, you know, having this like, and I'm sorry, that's my dog in my background. Oh, it's all good, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I mean, you know, some of us, again, like we had to work really hard to get the gear we had and, you know, just to be able to to get to the place. I mean, obviously, I've seen your growth, man, like. I've seen you go from radio into like now you you know you have your thing going full time and you're going full steam ahead. You're booked every weekend, so you know. Appreciate that, man. You know, definitely props to you for keeping the knowledge and moving it forward and making it make sense for you for your growth and your development. Um, so yeah, again, you know, it's an honor to to hear that. Because what's going on, DJ family? DJ Reese here. Every Monday at nine a.m., I'm dropping a new podcast episode. I'm highlighting some of the dopest DJs out there that are creating vibes at all the venues that they're DJing at. If you're a new beginner DJ, you need new tips, well, you got to check out WeCreateTheVibes.com. Oh, man, I, I appreciate you, man, because now, nah, like, you really, like, yo, you open, <laughs> like, you really opened up my eyes. Like, I was, like, blind as hell. Like, seriously, like, even to this day, of course, I don't take every gig. Like, I turn down a lot of stuff, but, Good. like, it has to, it, yo, it has to, like, everything can't be a money grab. Like, I don't, like, I don't do this for the money. Like, that. that's, like, straight up. I don't do this for the money because it's a lot of, I mean, it's, a, like, just from DJing certain events, I know what I don't like. So, like, it's a lot of stuff I don't even care. Like, I'm not, I'm just not going to do that. Even if, even if the pay is well, I'm a lot older. I I, I do respect my time to to 100%. But I feel like it does matter the type of events you do DJ too. Like, I feel like that's another thing that a lot of DJs get it messed up. Yeah, that's the big sense, man. Like, now catch me out here DJing one year old birthday parties. Like, that makes no sense for me. And you know that, that that's your lane now. Like, that's lame though, man. That makes no sense. <laughs> like, who are you? Who are you? Like, I mean, like, who's, who's really seeing you play? Like, is it again? Is it for the money or like who's really seeing you play at a one-year-old birthday party? For for sure, but I, I still don't take that uh, away from the person that wants to play those one-year-old yeah. parties because it's like just the same person that wants to be like a teacher or something. It's like they do it with an audience or somebody in mind. So if you're putting yourself out of the equation and doing it because it makes you happy, then play that party. Um, and I think it has to make sense in this in the way of it makes that whatever you're playing or party that much greater absolutely you yep. come into it and you're like okay i'm ready to go i know exactly what to expect yep i'm gonna take it to another level i'm gonna give you yep. all experience y'all never met before but most people don't do that what actually happened to me this weekend um i, I had two gigs um because i was here for a few days i played this one party that i got booked for that i really like um who i'm gonna you know start doing start coming maybe back and forth every three, four months now, which is, you know, a huge blessing. Oh. And there was another friend that asked me to play this dive bar uh, called TVA. And um, I just love that place. Cause I just feel like for me, it's a place where 
I get to test where I'm at. Mm. It's sort of just like it's like the dojo for oh. you know my musical brain. Um, and maybe you know I don't make a lot of money while I'm playing, but it's not even about that. It's like okay, whoever's there is gonna go on this ride with me, and I, I may completely lose the crowd tonight. But this is a chance I'm willing to take. Hey, yeah, to see I, where I, I can push this. You know. I like that. And I feel like for you to go on it, like you got to be strong inside because you see some DJs that might lose a crowd and it's like, yo, they feel like that night's over. They can't yeah. recover. But for you, you're willing to test that boundary. That's dope because a lot of people will just play it safe. Like, And the one thing I really like about house music too, I mean, it's so, to me, like what your underground house music is different from, you're, you're not, you don't know what you're going to expect if you're, you're coming from the crowd. You don't know exactly the record you're going to expect. I feel like when you're going to whatever these parts, like, you know, they're going to play this. They're going to play. This. There's a good chance they're going to play this. No, you don't know what they're going to play when you're going to an underground scene. I feel like that is amazing. And I like, I remember the first, um, the party that uh, you took me to, I think it was on wall street. This is like mad long ago. And uh, I, I know you couldn't have the phone or whatever. And I think it was off of resident was it at the basement? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I know any I know any songs that night, and that was probably like one of the best parties I've been to in my life. And I still talk about that party to this day. But yeah, that was oh probably one of the best I've been parties. I've been waiting that I don't know if they do any more events there, but I've been dying to go back. Like I don't think I they do. I'll be checking the website too, yo. And I've been checking it for like years. Like yeah. years and years and years. And yeah, I haven't seen anything like on there. But yeah, that, that shit was lit. Like that, that was a vibe. Like the animation. I mean, I don't think anybody knew probably most of the songs that was going on there. And everybody was having the, the dopest time whatsoever. I mean, I mean the, the, the nerds knew some of it. Like I remember, oh, yeah. I, I think I think you met, you probably met Lou there. Yeah, Velasco. Yeah, Velasco. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I, yo, I, I remember, man. I, I I still remember that day to the fullest. Like that shit was, that shit was like I don't think, like I don't think people would understand. Like if you're used to partying a certain way, and like I don't know, maybe if you party at like certain rinky dinky ass spots, but like this is a different vibe. This is a different atmosphere. I, I don't think a lot of people would be like ready for something like that. Like that shit was dope. Yeah, I mean, it's a matter of being open-minded because I feel like the audience is very open-minded. Yeah, you know? that audience there is super open-minded. But, yeah. like, I'll DJ for people who are not open-minded. Like, they literally want the same cookie cutter. Or, like, if I DJ, I don't even care. I'm going to say on the podcast, I don't care. So when I DJ weddings for, like, say, like, white couples, yeah, typically I'm going to play the top. But basically, literally, what the top 100, whatever shit that came out, depending. Now, when I play for black couples, it got to be like the certain urban hits, the certain shit that you got, the certain Beyonce records you have to play. After a while, that, that's that's corny as shit. Like, are y'all not open to anything else? I, I have to play this Beyonce. I have to play these type of records. So I, I like that about, about House. Like, and not with all, I, I feel like, with certain genres because there's different genres within house i feel like you know some some genres within house or some djs they're very particular like oh i just play tech house or i play minimal techno or whatever but still i, I still feel like there's still more variety and it's still more of a chance of like yo i may have never heard this before yeah with, i mean other dj nah you're going to hear everything they play everything they play you have heard before 
you know? Yeah, I, I would definitely, the audience is very trusting. And I feel like it goes into two things where it's they trust you with their music and it's also trusting you with your energy. Like mm. the energy you bring on stage is felt in the way you mix. Like, like you said earlier, where you have, where you, you know, somebody loses the room and you see that in somebody in those kind of parties, like if you, if you show in that, it's, it, you can really just evacuate a room. <laughs> if you just keep that composure, I mean, however you decide to do it, right? Like, for me, I, I always look at it like if I'm, you know, playing ball or something, I'm having the time of my life. It's like if somebody just blocked me, I'm like, all right, cool. I know not, I know how to not shoot it next time. Right. But guarantee I got the ball now and I'm going to go for this drive and, you know, and I'm going to bust that ass. Absolutely. <laughs> Yo, so speaking of record labels, man, we both internet capital records. Now I got to ask, you started. Yeah. So you're on your second record label, but I want to talk about the first record label, Nil. Uh Now, did your experience interning at Capitol help you start the label? Like what what did you learn at Capitol that maybe had translated to you starting uh, your record label, your first record label, Nil? Um, The main thing is that, you know, believe in the music. You know, we were kind of set on like bullshit tasks. They (laughs) did believe in what their, they believed in their product completely. They had a team behind their product. And even though, you know, you know, when you're doing independent and you're completely doing alone, you don't have a marketing team, you don't have a budget, you're basically funding everything out of pocket. Yeah. If you don't believe in that thing enough to want to spend that money, because you don't know if you're going to make anything back to it. I think that's a huge thing that you got to be willing to say bye-bye to. Um, if you have no faith in it, it's not going to go anywhere. And I think that was probably the main thing that definitely helped me in launching labels, like every release. And, you know, at the time was something that I felt was missing and something I really believed in, like a hundred percent. I just felt like, um, so it was also an acronym and part of the acronym was next in line. So that was what I, what I felt was next for, I guess, the iteration of, of underground dance music. Yeah. Going back to what I was saying about it being next in line was, um, I just felt like that was going to be. Um, the next, I guess, what I thought was going to be a hit record, right, in Underground, and that people were going to gravitate towards, too. You know, we had about seven releases, and we did small runs of vinyl. Um, I would say, at most, I think we did 700. And for all releases, we've been able to sell out out of all of them, probably within, you know, a month or less. Um, mm. So I, I think we were doing something right. Yeah, that's, that. I guess that's what that taught me. Ah, very, very, very dope, man. Yeah, so what are some mistakes that you rent, you're running, just, you have two labels now, so what are some mistakes that maybe you have made running a record label? You know, what are some mistakes that you see that are out there when it comes to running a record label? Uh, definitely uh, poor time management, um, poor and 100% poor communication. Um, with that, I mean, is like, you you know, to do it from vinyl, you have to make sure because of certain deadlines. Um, for example, it's like certain plants in Europe, they don't press between July to September because it's so hot mm, okay. that if it's just, you know, these these record plants, they I think they probably burn records at like probably over like 300 degrees. So you're talking about this industrial space that's probably getting just as hot. So you're getting these records off the press that are like malleable. So you're not getting straight records. They start to warp. All sorts of all sorts of things can go wrong. So you have 
probably about two months. And on top of that, um, you have to make sure you're fitting into their timeline because everybody's trying to, you know, have a hit record for the summertime because summertime is, you know, summer, spring and summertime is festival season. Um, so you want to make sure you have your, your promos ready. You want to make sure. Um, and that just comes with just being on top of everybody that you're working with from the mastering engineer to your art person, to the person who's getting your labels, to the person who's doing your, um, your masters and your stampers, and then finally your vinyl. Um, so it's definitely just about, again, like time, you know, the time management of like, who do I need to contact at this time, making sure that all your affairs are in order. Um, because with me, as far as like, when it comes to running a label, I don't rush my artist. Mm. Some labels, they do rush their artists to fit into certain deadlines. I have a I have a rolling um I make sure that I like roll my communication if my artist is not ready. Um because I'll never put out a record if my artist is not a hundred percent on board with it. And that's the other communication piece is like finding out, especially if your artist is a touring DJ or a touring producer, you want to make sure that at least that they're, you know, devoting some time to work on, you know, basically, you know, your contract. Like you've con you've you paid them for a service. And at some point, you know, you are collecting on that service. Um, so with my artists, you know, I, I make sure that, you know, I, you know, I put whatever, you know, negotiation we make. Um, yeah, I'll be honest about my business dealings. I either, I have from, I pay most of the money to my artists from 75 to 100%, depending on, upon my cost. Um, and sometimes I'll, you know, we can talk about paying them up front, whether it be, a deposit or you know they make you know until i reach a certain amount of record sales which is what distributors do and again i make sure that's communicated beforehand because some people they don't they don't know the business and i know so many artists especially in the underground that you know there will be a record um, label owner that really wants their music and they don't communicate even about payment like i know people that haven't been paid for huge records Wow. <laughs> you know, wow. But, so, but, you know, so I, are people making deals in, in like the house music industry without like contracts and things of that nature? They oh, still- yeah, for sure. 100 um, percent. And, and I, I for me, I try to get my paperwork in order because it's like. I know how to do right for myself. I've been doing right by myself my whole life. Like I wake up to myself, but I want to make sure I'm doing right for the people that I'm working with, because, you know, truth be told, that comes back around. And it bites you in the ass real bad. Like, I can't afford to have that karma come back on me because I have more to lose than somebody that, you know, grew up with, like, a trust fund that has unlimited funds. Absolutely. Um, So to me, you know, I definitely take the, you know, the whole, like, working class mentality of just, like, these guys need to pay rent. Like, they need, there there are things that that need to happen in order to make this work. So, you know, I, I basically talk to artists, like, I'm like, I could draw up a small contract for us. And because I do also have to register with the performing performing rights organization with Gemma. Um, so you do have to pay fees on that as well. Um, so I, because, you know, let's say they get, and we had this happen with One Record World's uh, license for a compilation. You know, we nice. wanted to make sure that they were registered so that way they can make royalties anytime that was played anywhere. Um, so I always make, I try to make sure that my artists, anybody I'm working with, like they, they have their paperwork in order. I have my paperwork in order. Um, just so again, like I can do right by everybody. Like I feel good going to sleep when I know that it's like, I would say not that people are taking care of me, but I'm taking care of the people 
that I know are doing within their best interest for me. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. when you when you treat people good, they show up for you. And I definitely feel like that with like writing a label. It's like they'll give you their best work at the moment because you're being so like attentive. And it, to me, it's not even about the best work of like making making money or making noise. For me, it's like their best work of the genre. You yeah, know, they'll like they'll put their best foot forward because they know you are there for them, which yeah. is important, man. Even like even like a nine to five environment, like that's I feel like a lot of people do their best work like for their employer or their boss, knowing that their boss or employer actually gives a damn about them, actually cares about them, treats them with respect. You know, I feel like those are the type of like when you you're in that type of environment, you're going to go through you're going to go through a brick wall. You're going to go through glass for your boss because they they care about you. But when they don't care about you, then I feel like your work is not going to be the best. One, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think the, the best thing about that is when it comes to, you know, being creative and, you know, producing music is like when you're also in that environment, one of the biggest factors of or one of the biggest inhibitors of creativity is eliminating that stress. When an artist can come and give you stress free, like from the heart music, like you got something special. And even if it doesn't sell like a million copies, it could change people on the dance floor in a way that you know, like that excites me. Like that gives me goosebumps thinking about, you know. Nah, very dope, man. So talk so you have another record label, two record labels. What's the name of the second label? The second one is called the Big Neck Bass. Big Neck Bass. All right. So all right, talk to me about the Big Neck Bass. Where do you get the name from first off? And tell me a little bit about the label. Are there different releases from Nil or very similar music? I mean, so it's still going to be underground um, dance music for sure. Um, and I would say, I mean, obviously, you know, the bass is going to be the driving element. Like, I still want that to have sort of like bass characteristics where. So when I play, I feel like I have a lot of groove in my bass lines. Like, that's what a lot of people say about me is like, I know how to control a floor weaving through different bass lines and things like that. So I definitely want like that low end element to be distinct in a majority of the records that that are put out on the label to have that characteristic where it's like to sort of treat the bass where it's like it's a it's a melody it, it's it's like a focal point of the music as opposed to just being an after you know an afterthought or a supporting element to music um and with that in mind like so the first release i'm really trusting with my artist um He's doing an Acid House EP. We haven't done an Acid mm -hmm. House EP on no, but hey, if okay. you, you know, when when you when you hear the release, you'll see what I'm talking about. Like these are different. Not I want to say different, like because it could be like a four bar baseline, but just the way that it's done, it just feels like something fresh. Um, and it's it, from what from you know playing the records, like it works on the floor really well, and it usually ends up becoming a record. You know, I already have the promo material and I haven't even put, we don't even have promos out. Just a few people that are playing it, it's so far doing pretty well. Um, nice. But the, the name came actually as a joke. I forgot what podcast a friend of mine were listening to, but I know there was a comedian, Bill Burr, and he was talking yeah, about. Funny as shit. <laughs> oh, Bill Burr is hilarious, man. Funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> and he was I, talking I, about, he was talking about, I forgot, like, something like really manly men with big necks or like having big necks 
Okay. And then he was saying how like he's not one of those men because he's like one of the little neck guys. <laughs> and then me and my friend, we were just like cracking up about this because we had both um, met in Denver. We were, we were having a show that weekend and we kept like talking about the big, like we were just being stupid and like seeing, looking at people's necks and be like, oh, that's a little neck guy. That's a big <laughs> neck guy. <laughs> that's funny. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. And then I, I just thought about, I was like, yo, how hilarious would it be to like have a track or like, or an EP called Big Neck Bass? And then we were both just like sort of cracking up hysterically about the idea. And, um, you know, a year passed and I, I would just constantly hear the name in the back of my head, like Big Neck Bass. And I was like, the fact that it's still such a prevalent thought in my mind signifies to me that there's something there. There's something that keeps calling me back to it. Um, so then I just decided, I was just like, you know, um, so Nil is a is a co-run project with Velasco and I. And um, with that label, so we're both like huge music purveyors in terms of like quality of music. And we both have to agree 100% on the release. Mm -hmm. Like we will not put out a release. If somebody's 95%, that's not good enough. Mm, okay it has to be like a firm 100 and you know he has he has some projects going on he has a lot of just like opportunities that he's been really you know moving forward with and we just haven't had time to like really sit with music and say okay this is something that we want to put forward and i feel like now i'm ready to finally um get into a place where i'm pushing my ideas forward and my output um so big neck bass is going to have two outlets there's going to be big neck bass digital um, and then there's just the, it's going to be the vinyl and the vinyl is going to be, you know, sh strictly related to dance music. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas the digital aspect is going to be, um, so I, I got back into producing and things like that. So I'm making beats again, um, you know, working on like different I'll beats. Ask you that too. Yeah. <laughs> but qu all right. So I know you, st well, I want to say you start off. When I met you, I know you you were I would say like no, of course you was using you, you was in the house, but I know you were a little more into hip hop now. I'm just asking. Now, are we slightly transitioning back? Are you still like are you even like cuz I'll be I don't even listen to hip hop like like that anymore. But like especially like the current stuff. I really I'm not really paying attention. And if I do need it, I just go on the charts and I'm not actively like listening to a album. Like I'm not actually doing that. Like I'm listening to more like FKJ, more like cash who are more instrumentalists and DJs as well. Like I'm listening to more even like even like soul artists. Like I'm not even list like I'm I gotta I gotta feel it. Like it, I can't listen to like damaging I can't listen to damaging lyrics. That's one thing I told myself I'm not ever doing. I can't listen to people talking about killing and shooting each other. That's not part of my DNA. It's not part of my lifestyle. But I wanna know, are you actually listening to any hip-hop or even old school or new school or any whatsoever well um i mean i, I always listen to old school hip-hop always okay. like especially you know my favorite producers like I, that'll always be something that that i do i definitely listen to some of the new stuff um and it's not so much about because yeah you're right you know there is like really negative damaging content that's out there you know you have artists that are glorifying like taking antidepressants like it's the thing to do and, you know, seeing it in my scene, like drugs can be really harmful. So, you know, I, I, I hope that they're within that scene, there's more education on how damaging that could be. 
because especially when you're you're messing with brain chemistry like you could be changing and ruining somebody's life forever yeah um but i will say this the production aspect i i i'm in love with um i I, for that lyric lyrics is terrible but yeah the beats though yeah the the beats are amazing like i feel like there's more um musical elements and especially when you're talking about the idea of big neck bass even in like trap music there's like melodies and bass lines yeah and i love i love that i think that's like something that's so you know so so fucking dope like i can't even say it more than that you know <laughs> it just it make it, it just makes you feel a certain way when it's just hitting you and you know it just it brings you to a place so i'm definitely i would say i wouldn't say transitioning back because i never felt like i transitioned out mm. um i just um because i've always been creating and I, I i think with the big neck you know digital side it'll be definitely more of an emphasis on some of the the non-dance music related stuff like i you know i would love to you know reach out to different like jazz artists and things like that and just really expand what that can look like but also keeping the element of the label in mind of like you know the the bass being his own melodic thing at the forefront um how that can look like honestly the the opportunities are endless but definitely i i do see myself you know putting out a lot of these b tapes i'm probably like you know, at least within the past couple of months, like 80, 90 beats in. Um, Bring them out, man. Stop playing. You know, I, I, I got well, to hear them, man. Don't like, <laughs> oh, don't hold on to Like, I, I get it. A lot of people, I mean, I know so many DJs, producers that like, yo, they have shit from like 10 years, like 10 years worth of shit they haven't let out. And I'm like, yo, like, is this shit just for you to listen to? Like, yo, you let that shit out. Like, don't be scared. Like, let it out. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's so long, you know? So, so that's been my big project. My big project was just because it's so much like content to send it to an outside mastering house, which just cost me a fortune. Um, so I actually saved up some money. I bought some like mastering plugins. So I've been going through each, just, you know, I, I take certain, I have like different schedule throughout different week. Like I'll spend two days of the week just digging for dance music. That's it. That's all I'm doing for like, you know, eight, nine hours. And then I have like another day where I'm just digging for samples. And then I have another day where I'm just working on edits. And then I have one day where I'm just working on beats. And then like the last day, I'm just like working on mixing down some of these tracks that I've been working on. So, you know, if, if I had, if I had more volunteers, or something like that, oh man, they, these things would be out a long time ago. But when you're a one man army, it's a, tough, it's man. a huge undertaking. It's yeah. tough. I'm actually looking for editor. Uh, <laughs> day. I'm gonna give you a website too. It's dope. I, I don't want to talk about the website on here because people might get offended, but it's dope. Okay. like it'll fit nice. you in your budget. Like literally, like you won't even know your money's missing to pay somebody nice. to do some stuff. Awesome. Cause yeah, it's just, it's, it's definitely a lot. I, I know the one thing I'm not negotiating though, is just the digging for dance music. Cause that's just, mm, yep. There's, there's certain I, rabbit holes. There's certain rabbit holes. You can't talk about to certain people. Nah. <laughs> nah <absolutely. laughs> so my question to you, man, you're, not that I haven't seen people do this, but you're the first guy I've seen like face to face DJ with a DJ partner, like the first guy, like officially I've seen do that, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you have to have a, a crazy amount of chemistry. Got to be on the same page. I mean, how is it DJing with a, with, with another DJ? Like as a, having a DJ partner being on the same set, one DJs on 
the left deck, the other DJs on, you're on the right deck. Like, how is that experience? And, you know, how is it? Well, when it's the right person, it's electric. So this weekend, um, I played with Lou. The last time I played with Lou, or Velasco, last time I played with Velasco was 2019 at Watergate in Berlin. Okay. And then before then, I was just, you know, playing with Lou all the time. So we had built something that's been special for years. So honestly, I love playing with Lou because Lou's one of those guys that he brings the best out of me. And I try to, I damn sure try to bring the best out of him. Like there's just so much into, because um, I think what, what helps make it is again, the communication piece. Like I talk to, if I'm playing with somebody, I'm, I'm letting them know. It's like, okay, I'm going to set you up with this. This record is mm -hmm. going to sound like this. Like either, yeah. like you have an option, you can take it up or you can keep it going. But right now, like this is, this is what I'm on. Um, I, I've seen it fail and I've been in back to backs where it fails, where it's just like somebody's just playing with their ego. And I think where it makes it really special is when you drop that ego and you're open to that person's because basically it's just like you're painting a piece together. Right. Right. You got, this, you know, I'm adding this piece then you add another or a puzzle like you. Yeah, yeah no, nah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I grew up work together, too. It's, it's lovely. Like, yeah, I could. You guys are very cohesive. Like you guys work well together. I've seen it. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's like I said, it's just, it's something so special. And I think, you know, part of the background, I think that helps me as well is like, I grew up playing basketball, you know, I'm five, oh, yeah, six I remember. <laughs> on a good day. I got to be a point guard. You got to trust your players. You got to trust your players, you know? So it's like when you, when you, when you grow up with that mentality and you grow, grow up, like, it's like you know when we're when we're in the shit we're in it together and we're getting we're getting out of it i think that again you can drop that ego and you can just go in it and i have another uh good friend that I'm, we're working on right now playing south america the end of april uh his name is rama and um he's another guy that's like an electric back-to-back -back person but because he understands you know he came he came to me early in his development so yeah. we've been able to cultivate that early of just like yeah. This is not for us. This is for them. Now, how do we how do we understand each other to deliver them this beautiful message? So I, I love mindset, it. Y'all got the yeah. right mindset for real. Like yeah. that's what I love about like yo, you're the way you the way you. Th All right. So how were you as a student at Ramapo? I feel like you're very like. I feel like you're a quiet person, but you're a man of like thought. Like you don't really say too much, but I, I just feel like you're not like you're always thinking, but I just feel like you know how to assess certain situations, you know, when to input yourself, not to input. Like, I don't know. You just like cool, calm, collective, but you're, you pay attention. Like, you know, what's up. Yeah. I mean, as a student, so I spent a lot of high school doing dumb shit, like without a doubt. So I, I got that out of my system early. Okay. So when, <laughs> so when I went to college, it's like, I wasn't getting caught up, like, partying and drinking all the time. For me, it was focused. Like I remember Ramapo, um, I, I decided to, the first year I was going to go there, I gave up my dorm so I could get free housing next year. Cause I was like, oh, let me save some money. If I could get free housing, like, cause mm -hmm. housing's expensive. Shit. Bro, people so, think about that income and coming. Oh my God. I thought about that when I went to grad school. I didn't even think about <laughs> that undergrad. I was like, I ain't paid 30 racks. That shit. Yo, <laughs> yo. <laughs> Yeah, because, well, I think what also put me there was before I went to school in Bridgeport, that put me in a 30 grand hole. So mm -hmm. I was like, I don't need to get more than where I'm at right now. Like, I'm already in the red. Um, so, yeah, I remember just like 
countless times where I'd be like coming across campus, like I see people going out and I'm walking from my car all the way in the commuter lot to go to, you know, the room I was crashing in with wow. like a crate of records, my MPC and like a portable turntable. And it was just like a good friend of mine, like that's just what we did all night. It was just like, we don't need to do anything else. So I was definitely about just like evolving myself. I was already, I was, I think I was already early in the game of like, I'd done the party and I did this, I did that. I just, I didn't need to do it again. Absolutely. Yeah. You Mature mindset, man. Like, yeah, like when I first met you, like, yeah, mature mindset. Cause not a lot of people carried themselves the way you carried yourself at that early age. Like, ah, man, different, man. <laughs> very <laughs> good you, way, you. too. Like, you know, like, salute you. Like, you're different in a, a, a great way. Like, I mean, I said it earlier, like, yo, you really, like, as far as DJing and how you look at music, like, man. Yeah, you transformed you transformed my mind, man. I, I didn't I didn't think like you're not just like I think some people think you're just like you're you're a DJ, you're just playing music. It is what it no, it's, you're not just playing music, man. Like it's it's deeper than that. Like it's it is. way deeper than that. And I don't think people were like realize that too. Like Sorry. talking about that. I was talking about this moment I had probably about a year ago. It was probably the most, actually, I had two moments that were really special to me. But the one that I'm talking about most recently, I actually got emotional while playing. I never thought it would ever happen. But I remember it was it was this party right before New Year's. And it's probably about like 8.30 a.m. And the dance floor, like, it was a small, it was a small spot, probably like 100, 100, 150 plus, you know, and then there's people outside. But everybody that was outside was inside. So it was like, the room was just like to the brim. And I remember playing this one edit that my friend made that I still think is like one of the most beautiful records I've ever heard in my life. And I just remember when I played it, it was like the sun was coming into the room and I just looked at everybody and they had their heads in the air, smiles on their faces, their eyes were closed. And I just felt like all, I just felt it getting wet. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do this in front of people. <laughs> nah, that's a beautiful moment though. <laughs> that's fire though, man. And that, and that tells me like, yo, you really, yo, you're tapped in. Like you're really connected to music. Like this is not a, this is not a gimmick. This is not some TikTok shit. This is not like... None of that. It's not any of these house gimmicks where you have a costume on and none of that shit. No, this this some real shit. Like you really feel what you're playing. Well, you know, like you said, being tapped in. I feel like once you tapped into how music makes you feel, once you can really single that one feeling that one track gives you, and then you start to take that to other other records, other records, it changes your life completely. And you know, I had again, like I'm so blessed that people teach me what that, you know, how to do that. Um, and then it's just a matter of just like, it's like learning, you learn a new language, That's true. you know, you, you, you learn how to, you learn how to project that language. Cause now you have the vocabulary. Okay. The song makes you feel sad. I want to bring the room down a little bit cause there's too much energy. So you play that sad song a little bit just to, you know, you, you know, introduce some different emotion and you're like, okay, let me ride this maybe two more records. And then we start bringing them to where, to where I start to feel happy again. It's sort of like that. Yep yeah that's dope yeah it's, it's that musical journey man right. super fire man so of course you know went through the ig i see you traveling i mean you've been traveling though been been doing your traveling been doing your thing i gotta ask man for traveling djs we need some tips man what are some things that a traveling dj 
should take with them on their gigs? What are some things that, you know, you need so that your gig can go smoothly? So definitely if you're playing, I mean, if you're playing vinyl, you can't bring a backup. But let's say you like you have a thumb drive or anything like that, always bring an exact replica of your digital music. Always. That's like the first thing on, honestly, that's one of the first things that I do before I start packing. I make a backup of my current hard drive and I make sure that that one stays close to me just because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, definitely bring a quarter inch adapter. Smart. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Always bring a quarter inch adapter because you never know when you're going to need one. Actually, I, I just got introduced to this one recently. Bring but your own pair of slides, man. Because mm, okay. <laughs> when, when you get to the hotel or whatever Airbnb you're staying at, like especially if you've been like connecting flights and you've been carrying records around, you just want to relax a little bit. As soon as you get there, take your shoes off, throw those slides oh. on. You're like, okay, now I can work. Um, I also have, so depending if you're, you know, if you play in a room that has a lot of like smoke, um, definitely like the European clubs, they smoke a lot, you know, and they smoke indoors. Um, I have a scent proof laundry bag. Um, that's very important to me. Cause it's like, I don't want to put that in a bag and it like seeps through the rest of my clothes and I'm smelling like a freaking ashtray the entire time I'm there. <laughs> it's just, it's, I've done it before and it's not my favorite. Yeah, cigarette, ugh, cigarette smells the worst. <laughs> I don't know how people smoke cigarettes. The worst. Yeah, ever. especially like some warehouses, they they just they let it happen. Like nobody stops them. So mm -hmm. like you're just playing in like a giant chimney of smoke. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, earplugs. Mm, that's a good one, right there. Def, def, definitely earplugs. And I would say if you can, um, you know, if you're giving a rider, ask for new socks. Hmm. That's a good one too. All right. A, a, a friend had told me that and it changed my life. Like they were like, he's like, that's a promoter for new socks. And I put in my rider, I was like, a fresh pair of socks. And I mean, obviously they're not gonna buy you bullshit socks. Like you're the performer. You yeah. know, so they're gonna buy you a nice, clean pair of socks. But right before right before you get on and you put on those new socks, ah, oh, no feeling like it. Feel like a brand new man? Completely. <laughs> Completely. And you know, and then after that, the essentials you know, toothbrush, all your other stuff. But I would say those those are my main things. Is like you want comfort and you just want to just have comfort and security. Those are the two most important things that you got to rely on when you're um, traveling because when shit goes wrong and you're not home, it goes wrong badly. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And like, what can you do when it goes wrong? And you don't have yep. your shit on you, yo. <laughs> you don't have what you yep. need, your essentials. Ugh. I've I've seen guys like play festivals with one thumb drive that they lost, and it's like then they're having a they're having to go to whatever stores open to buy one, find you know find people to send the music. I mean, luckily some of them are like big names where they can get like, you know, twenty gigs in like an hour. But not everybody's like that. Who wants to take that risk? Because uh, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. What's your mentality like going into any of your gigs? You know. How do you approach your gigs? So actually, I was reflecting on this um, on Saturday morning before I went on because I was I started to get nervous on Friday. Mm. And I realized that that's always I'll never stop getting nervous. And I realized that I never I never want to stop getting nervous. Um, I had this one of my friends who's like, you know, he's 
definitely on a much higher plane than I am in terms of like being a superstar DJ because I'm so far from that. But he, I remember him telling me, he's like, the moment you stop caring about what it is, do something else. Mm, that's a yeah. You know, he was like, he was like, because then that shows that number one, you're not invested to how good your performance is going to be. You're not invested to move the crowd forward. You're not invested to move the party forward. And you're just kind of not invested all around. He's like, for that, just find something that excites you again. And every time I get nervous, I remind myself, I'm like, it's because I care. Yep. No, and that's, yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah. Um, and also, I also, I, I try to meditate. I try to meditate depending what time i'm playing to like let's say i have like the you know 6 a.m 7 a.m slot i will sleep on the front end and then show up you know like two hours before my set because I, I don't want to be you know partying up all night and then some some guys do that and then you know that that's where people they start getting into drugs to help them stay awake but i'd rather be there fresh and just like front load and just come with energy um just because i i just think i make better decisions when i'm rested I like that, man. What's the biggest lesson you learned from DJing? Biggest lesson I learned: believe in yourself. Mm. Believe in yourself. Believe in your. Believe in your abilities. Believe in. Believe in the power to change or to not change, but to influence people. Um, and that can be, you know, positive or negative, but be humble enough that you could see that you can take the accountability to make it positive. Because again, it's like. If not you, someone else is going to do it. So if you have that in your heart, let it be you. But again, you have to be able to believe in yourself to actually do that. Man, that's so true, man. So how can people find you, man? How can people get in contact with you? So there's a carrier pigeon that leaves uh, 42nd and 7th. Just put a note on it and just it'll fly to me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, I, I, I have, I have my, my Instagram handles. I probably need to get a TikTok at some point. I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. My handle's always going to be C is for Chavez, like as in Cookie Monster, you know, C is for Cookie, C is for Chavez. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, Big Neck Bass, um, you'll probably find, right now I'm looking at distribution with this one outlet called Small Black Dots. So if you're familiar with Small Black Dots in Berlin, um, Big Neck Bass 001 probably should be, if all goes well, and we're we're, we're still on schedule right now. It will we're go well. Yeah, it will. It will. We're still scheduled to release probably the end of July, early August. And then, yeah, you know, just, I guess, you know, I would say right now, just follow, follow the handles. Cause I'm definitely still a word of mouth name. Those, I, I, I feel like this weekend was a reflection of like those that know, know, and they've have bought so many more people to the mix now. Cause I remember playing rooms that are like, not even five people sometimes, you know, five, 10 mm -hmm. people. And now it's like, I mean, I could for sure pack a room that's like 150, 200, 150 to 200. You know, I've played as big as rooms that are like six, 700. So it's like somewhere in that range is like, and this has all been just, you know, the graces of whoever's up there or my talent, if you will, um, you know, people talking. So, but I would say for the most part, definitely check my handles. Um, right now I'm, I'm mainly active on IG, but you're going to put me on to this discovery thing and we're, we're, we're going to sort this out. Right. Yes, sir. Man. Chavez, my brother is always, it's always a blessing to chop it up. Ladies and gentlemen, that was another episode of we create the vibes podcast. 
this week's special guest, no other than Jersey's own. He's in Utah now, ladies and gents. Chavez, two-time record label owner. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.